You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Here's a pitch, an Indiana Jones movie starring Harrison Ford. I think there's a lot of potential in exploring what's happened in the years since The Last Crusade. Hold on, we made that movie already. People hated it. Yes, but this time, he's even older. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Dr. Beaver Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And today we are discussing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, Does one have an ampersand or a a colon? I love, nope, I love neither. punctuation in my titles. <laughs> neither. It's just a full... The, yeah, it's spelt right out. They spell out the word, and <laughs> love you'll love to see it. Um, colons, who needs them? That's for sequels. Too cowardly to put two in the title. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this one uh, was one of the ones that came out this summer. It was a big, it was a big <laughs> it summer It sure movie. was one of those ones. <laughs> That dropped (laughs) (laughs) to to almost no fanfare, it seems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, I wouldn't say it got raked over the coals. It wasn't like universally panned, but it got really kind of meh reviews. Yeah, Yeah, I I believe the industry term is nobody gave a shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is almost worse than being a total bomb, because if if you totally bomb, if you crater... You get that like Ed Wood crowd, yeah. Who's going to be like, like yeah, exactly. You're going to get those people who are like, well, how bad could it be? I'm going to go see that movie, and you're going to get a certain subset of that who are going to love it. Mm-hmm. But when you're just mm-hmm. a man movie, you nobody goes and sees it, <laughs> yeah. or everybody comes out of it going, "This one's I'm going to forget this one by tomorrow." I did notice that Disney really let it sit on premium rental for a very long time. <laughs> trying to recoup, I think, any amount of money they could, because I'm, I'm fairly certain this one lost a chunk of change. Well, the marketing budget alone was ridiculous. Like it, yeah, is a very yeah. expensive movie from what I understand. I'm sure we could pull up those numbers, but I'm going to go with my hearsay of it was a lot. It was probably one of the most expensive movies of the summer. Yeah. Well, I mean, the effects budget alone had to have been huge because of all the de-aging and stuff, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And the tons of green screen. And it famously premiered at, at Cannes, correct? I don't I don't know. I believe maybe that famously. I, 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 I'm sure I, I, I'm sure it did premiere. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, not famously since neither of you know, but I, I believe it premiered <laughs> at Cannes and that's where the initial poor reviews started. Um mm. and I kind of wonder if that will discourage any studio from sending any other blockbuster affair to Cannes. Yeah. You know, there's some movies that just maybe shouldn't be 
debuted at a big artsy fartsy festival for film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're setting you're setting yourself up for failure on that one. Yeah, that's. Yeah. You know what? Let's go and and debut our summer blockbuster, our summer popcorn blockbuster in front of the like harshest movie critics, yeah. <laughs> miles away from any popcorn. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the green screen. I do want to touch on that later, but maybe we should just get some of the the nitty gritty details out first. Uh, of course, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny came out June thirtieth uh, of this year, twenty twenty three. In the summer, like we said, directed by James Mangold of Wolverine and Logan fame, uh, written by Jez and John Henry Butterworth, among others. Um, fun. I love a Butterworth. It's a great last name. <laughs> <laughs> and is based on 1950s serial adventure stories, uh, old timey men's magazines and what have you. Uh, yes. And, and two two fisted action scientist. Yeah. <laughs> classic, classic trope from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> chiseled jaw square shit <laughs> uh, it stars Harrison Ford as the titular Dial of Destiny Phoebe Waller-Bridge <laughs> as Elena Mads Mikkelsen as Voller Toby Jones as Basil Shaw and Antonio Banderas as Ronaldo I barely I barely recognized him at first I got it props to my, my boo Amanda She she's like is that Antonio Banderas and I in my Classic act of hubris. I'm like, I assure you, it's not. <laughs> and then she's like, No, I think it is. And then I'm like, Oh shit, it is. God damn it. Why did I, I say that? Why did I say it that way? I only knew it was Antonio Banderas because I knew Antonio Banderas was in the movie. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, I might not have recognized him. I was looking for him. Uh, well, let's uh, let's hear that trailer. I don't believe in magic, but a few times in my life, I've seen things. Things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. Back in 1944, Indiana Jones and his Oxford colleague Basil Shaw recovered half of Archimedes's dial from looting Nazis. The Antikythera mechanism is believed to open fissures in time. Now it's 1969. Nice. And an old, tired <laughs> Dr. Jones has lost his son, been left by his wife, and is on the brink of retirement. Helena Shaw visits Sad Indy looking for her father's half of the dial. Indy warns Helena the dial drove Basil to madness, and he wished for it to be destroyed. Of course, Indy thought it should be in a museum, and that's basically where it is. Just as Indy is handing over the dial to Helena, the Nazis show up. Dr. Voller, fascist true believer and evil wannabe time traveler, attempts to murder Jones and Helena. Separately, they escape, Helena with half the dial in hand. Through some misadventures in Tangier and Greece, Jones, Helena, and her short round lose their half of the dial, but decide to go find the other half, even though not finding it would actually prevent Dr. Voller from time traveling to change the outcome of World War II. 
And hey, wouldn't you know it, Voller shows up at Archimedes' tomb and steals the other half of the dial and assembles it. Indy and Helena stow away on Voller's airplane to stop him from using the device to find a time fissure so he can go back in time and replace Hitler. Unfortunately, Archimedes didn't know about continental drift, and the plane emerges through the fissure in 212 BC during the Siege of Syracuse. The plane is brought down by the ancient armies, Voller dies, and a wounded Indy meets Archimedes himself. Apparently, Archimedes built the dial to bring users from the future to assist in the battle with the Romans, but that means they didn't get there by accident. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Anyway, Indy wants to stay in the past, and Helena should have let him, but she doesn't. The end. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit us with a bonafide electrified fix right off the top here. Cause it's on topic. Uh, I, regardless of what other changes we might make later in the episode, my, I hated that she punched him and that is how he was returned to the present. Yeah. Cause he doesn't um, make a decision. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't make a decision. He doesn't make a choice. Um, he, he needs to understand why he can't stay. Um, either, hopefully for like resonant thematic character arc reasons, but even for a like dude, time travel rules, like don't dick around with the past butterfly effect. You got to come back. Oh, okay. Which is Uh, interesting. Strike him. Don't strike him. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting. You say that because I think the time travel in this movie is actually done pretty smart because it is a closed loop and Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily realize that until after the movie's kind of done, but throughout the movie, there are, clues that Voller's plan is going to fail because it's always failed. Uh, There's a puppet show earlier in the movie where you see a dragon fighting Roman centurions during the siege of Syracuse. Uh, The Archimedes is buried with Voller's watch on the tomb. There's an image of the plane of the German world war II plane. And it all Mm. doesn't make sense in the moment, but in hindsight, you can see that time, time doesn't get changed the the events that were going to happen do happen and i do appreciate that the movie is consistent with its time travel pretty tight time travel movie for sure yeah the, handles, handles that part of it well um yeah. overall i would say the the pl- like the plot of this movie pretty fine it was fun yeah it's lots fine. of fun action at fun set pieces um i have a question for you though mm-hmm. and this is this comes from something greg mentioned in the chat we Full disclosure, we we talk with one another while we're watching the movie because we like to be smart asses. Um, <laughs> and Greg mentioned that this didn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie until like the th- the final act when they get to, I'm assuming when they get to the cave, uh, uh, Dionysius's cave is kind of where you, you feel like it starts to feel like an Indiana Jones movie. And this made me think of Crystal Skull too and how that one didn't really feel like an Indiana Jones movie. And it dawned on me that the reason for that is because what genre would you say Indiana Jones is? Adventure. Yes, it's an adventure movie. The original three Indiana Jones movies are Indiana Jones goes to a cool place, solves part of uh, a historical mystery, and those are punctuated by him punching Nazis. These movies are action movies where Mm. it's long action sequences punctuated by little bits where he solves historical mysteries. And that's Mm -hmm. why they feel wrong. And I didn't realize that until Greg said it out loud or wrote it out loud in the chat. And then it, it like it clicked. And I was like, that's why these movies aren't as good as the original three, because they're they're action movies. They're not adventure movies. Yeah, no, I like I like that take a lot. And in, and weirdly, I think it's also what works about the Dungeons and Dragons movie. 
It's an adventure movie. It's an adventure movie. <laughs> it does adventuring good. Like yeah. that is a genre. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie becomes an adventure movie in the final act. And that's why the the last part of this movie feels like an Indiana Jones movie again. He goes to a cool place. He solves a historical mystery. And then he punches a Nazi. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Up until then, it's just a series of extended chase scenes, some of which are completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's it's MacGuffin it's MacGuffins changing hands uh as everyone fights in different scenarios. It's it's a, it's an action movie. It's yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love yeah, that I take. It's an excellent <laughs> observation for sure. Can we can we circle back um now just as we're trying to get some <laughs> some certain things out of the way as you're trying to get your initial fix out of the way. Um because uh, if you'll permit me, I I I'm just going to go on a similar rant to my rant on uh, Letterboxd. Like, CGI in modern movies is used so liberally that uh, it becomes a bad habit. I don't think much thought goes into whether its use is a good creative choice for movies Mm. that it's applied to. Like, I get that, like, most of the frame can be molded to perfection in post, and that's perhaps maybe a too tempting for most directors not to take advantage of it. But the problem is like each decision to apply computer generated imagery has its own distinct effect on the style and tone of a movie. Like the uncanniness of a DH character or an overworked sunset, they all change the way the audience perceives the world on screen. Mm hmm. If your main character is a highly educated hunter of ancient artifacts, the practicality of the sets and special effects will contribute to not only the authenticity of the artifacts, but the character themselves. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if every element around your treasure hunter is touched by a digital brush, the like the unconscious word like unconsciously perceiving it as like a cartoon and the audience loses their connection with any attempt at authenticity. I I had said that uh, some of the first part of the movie where it's back in world war two and he's on the train and he's de-aged there's he, his de-aging coupled with so much of the digital scenery and so much of the digital action. I said, this looks like a video game cutscene. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I could see this on the PS4. And that's that was not high praise. <laughs> like it, it looked really fake. There, there was a lot of it. it. It exactly what Greg was saying. That that tactile nature. Like I, I there's scene early on where he's on a horseback chasing a train, and I'm like, that's not a real train. Like go mm. get a horse and a train, you guys. You're making and it like go. I get like go so- just shoot your. The whole point of making a movie is to capture images that are exciting to look at. Go film a train movie. The whole <laughs> the whole motorcycle chase at the beginning of the movie and the when he's escaping the Nazis. Uh, I told I, I turned to Anita and said I lament the loss of practical effects because yeah. this would have looked so cool if it was real people on real motorcycles driving down that mountain. But it's not, and it looks in this sight and shooting it, is expensive and consuming. it looks fake. Yeah, it, but it looks like a video game cutscene. And I'll I'll even go one further. I actually think they tried to play us a little because I, I had the same complaint Greg did in my letterbox room. I'm like, it looks fake. And then 
in researching this, I like Googled like, oh, like Indiana Jones stunts. I was actually looking for facts about the old movies and came up with a bunch of articles being like, here are the stunts that Harrison Ford did in Dial of Destiny. Can you believe this guy's doing these stunts? And look at all these other stunts we shot even without Harrison Ford. And there was a bunch of like articles about the practical challenges of making Dial of Destiny. And I almost started to like reconsider my letterbox review. I'm like, maybe there was more practical effects than I was giving a credit for. But seeing that both of you guys were like, no, this looks like digital cartoon nonsense. I wonder if that was maybe part of the like marketing push of like, yeah, look at how hard we worked on all these practical stunts and effects. Or sure that's part of it. It's possible though, that they went and touched things up so much that it ruined it. Yeah. Yeah. It might even just be the touch-ups. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think I think sometimes, it, like as I had just mentioned, like like e- when you're overworking your backdrops, that yeah. that uncon- you're either going to consciously or unconsciously trigger in the audience's mind that this is not a real thing. Uh, I, I've been watching the 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 Monarch TV show mm-hmm. on uh, on Apple Plus. Um, which is a it's a fine looking show, but there there's a scene where they're they're standing on a, a mountaintop in uh, in Alaska, and um, for no reason, like it's it's sunset, and, and for no reason, there's like a like a heavy orange gradient that's just like running across the bottom of the frame, and it just like they did it because you know ah, it kind of looks cool, but like in the aesthetic of the show, like bait, like compared to like all these other shots that look a lot more grounded, it, it just immediately makes it look cartoony and fake. So there, there's yeah. a lot of that going on where there's sort of like that there, there's an attempt to like punch up a shot that doesn't really need it. Yeah. 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 I, I don't doubt they rode a horse through a parade, but they just like, colored all over it with after effects yeah and probably fine-tuned uh every bit of the background like oh we need more confetti here that's falling and this and that and and um the more the more you play with it the more uh the audience gets triggered that this is a natural uh shot yeah yeah and and that's not to take any, anything away from the the artists who you know mm-hmm. um it, frame by frame you know Looks great, um, but just like there, there's something else going on with the relationship of, with of the audience with the story and 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 the images that uh, that you know causes problems. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially and- in yeah in in a thing like this where you want that dusty, literal, tactile feel of an artifact. Like it's mm-hmm. fine in the Marvels. Everything you're describing maybe like doesn't help the Marvels, but it's you assume as much because they're on a space station. But like you know we're in space or whatever but yeah this is like you want that like crunchy dusty real feeling of archaeology well and yeah. you can have good practical sets if you're going to a cool place and solving a historical yeah. mystery uh with an yeah. 80 year old man as opposed to putting him in chase scene after chase scene after chase scene like <laughs> i hated the movie we did but what like the tomb raider movie we did a couple months ago maybe a year ago but I do like how that had that big, goofy, like spinning orrery set that I'm Absolutely. like, that, they, they built a weird mm-hmm. spinning platform yeah. thing and yeah. made stunt guys <laughs> jump up and down it and capture that footage. Great job. Yeah. Great job, Tomb Raider. It was kind of yeah. a, it was kind of weird to have a funhouse ride at the end of your movie. But like also at least it was <laughs> at least I at could least it was a know, thing. get the sense of its tactileness. And yeah, at least it was a thing <laughs> yeah. captured. On yeah. Film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, no, fair. Um, well, any, well, that's a rough comparison, I guess. <laughs> Tomb Raider versus Indiana Tomb Jones. <laughs> but that's where we got to. Um, were there any uh, like positive takeaways? Anything you particularly want to highlight that you think this film did did well? I already mentioned that I liked the time travel. I liked mm-hmm. the villain. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is really good mm-hmm. in this movie. I think Voller's a cool villain. Um, I think that he was handled pretty well overall. I I had no problem with that. I, I also dug the the time travel. I kind of I, I didn't love that it spent so much time in the like that most of the third act was in another time period and that was a bit surprising for me especially since usually in indiana jones film the uh artifact MacGuffin's magic is is pretty limited you only get to experience it uh for a very limited amount of time um so i don't know it that the give or take i i did like the, the idea that uh archimedes didn't understand continental drift mm-hmm. um I thought that was a cool idea. And like it's 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 classic Indiana Jones stuff where the artifact uh doesn't work in the way that the villain thinks it does and it kind of fucks their plan up. And that's, you know, that's kind of that's good stuff. And it's somewhat it's somewhat undercut later, but I I also like the idea that the, you know, the uh that Archimedes planned for people to, for that device only to send future people back in time to help him win his battle against uh, the Romans. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was writing the plot summary that I realized <laughs> that those two things together don't make sense. Cause if they, if they got there by accident, then how did he send them there on purpose? Which, yeah, but those two ideas individually, great ideas. <laughs> so they just needed to pick one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to highlight a couple of the performances, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I quite like, uh, I, I watched all of Fleabag, um, mm. and that's a great series if you haven't watched her sort of <clears throat> rise to fame, uh, Fleabag, it's on Amazon Prime. She's also great in Broadchurch, so you should watch oh, nice. Broadchurch. Um, yeah, I just like her whole vibe, she's kind of just got like the right amount of like snarky and self-deprecating without like laying it on too thick or not thick enough, it's, it's just right, and so I could even... I could see her becoming a pretty good asset in action movies going forward. Maybe not like the star of an action movie, like the next Indiana Jones. Also, because we just discussed they're not action movies. Um, but like, I could see her being in like a fun, uh, like a heist movie or like in a Fast and the Furious type thing. Like, yeah, um, I think she would, she would be a good, uh, uh, member of of any action movie cast and i hope her that's maybe the trajectory her career follows because she's great in this she was fun to watch um but also harrison ford so i gotta say the thing i loved about watching harrison ford in this movie is you can see it on his face not the dh parts but like you can just see in in the performance he gives how much he loves his grandkids it really comes through in every scene in all of his acting this guy loves his grandkids (laughs) harrison ford Right. Because he clearly doesn't want to be there. And they have clearly offered him so much money that he could not turn it down, lest his lineage go without. Uh, So, you know, like clearly this guy will do anything for his family. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, (laughs) 
was wondering where you were going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does not look like he's having fun at any point. No, he, he looks he looks as sad and tired as Indiana Jones is for most of the movie. Why are you I, making I, an action movie with an 80-year-old man? Like, literally, the president is the only other job we should maybe not be letting 80-year-olds do. Action star <laughs> and presidents. Like, don't. <laughs> Sorry, and maybe that's ageist. Maybe this is a hot take, but not jobs for 80-year-olds. I'm sorry. That was- <laughs> I will say that, that the the one the one place where he does come alive and 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 you know ha- has a great scene is the scene where he reveals that Mutt had died. Um, I felt like that scene was actually beautifully written, and it was the highlight of the entire movie for me. Yeah, yeah, on the boat with yeah. uh, with Helena. Yeah, no, for sure. He. He has so much pathos and he acts in that, in that segment. Yeah. 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 And, and they, they, they kind of set that up beautifully where, um, you get, you get the sense that Indy and, uh, Marion broke up for reasons that were Indy's fault. Uh, just like being a bad husband, just because like you, when because we first he's meet him, Jones. yeah. yeah. But, but when you first meet him, he's like he's you know naked on a chair, and then he's yelling at kids. And there's a subtle thing where he he takes a he takes a magnet and puts it over Marion's face, and that's that it's so it so isolates his relationship with Marion and and just him. There's no, there's no sort of like hint of anything else going on. So you're, you're tricked into thinking that it's just about them. Uh, so when you get to that boat scene and it, and he reveals that his son, his son dies, it hits pretty hard. I feel so. I, I, I think that was actually quite well set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of good parts of this movie. It just doesn't quite coalesce into a whole good movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like it was kind of boring, like most of the time. That was the, that was what I what I was kind of m- most disappointed with. Like it 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 it's it's an aggressively average movie, and for it to be kind of like the swan song of Indiana Jones, that's it's that's really really disappointing, and and it's really hard to you know. Just be like it's. It was hard to just say what we usually say it was like. Ah, oh, it was fine. I kind of had a good time. I, I like. I, it was fine, but also like I needed so much more from this character in this this franchise that like mm-hmm. I didn't like it because it was fine. I hated it because it was f- just fine. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's also interminably long. It is uh, almost. Yeah. It's almost three hours long, yeah. and and so much of it is just not needed it's there's there's huge chunks of this movie where i'm like well this is filler um we didn't need this we didn't need this we did this can go like we we were talking about before we started rolling about the plot summary that we could truncate a whole bunch of stuff because it's just unnecessary to the plot like yeah yeah, entire entire uh, cities could be removed and, and and adventures to different countries and stuff like that. I I felt like that water sequence, uh, the underwater sequence, was the one that I I checked out the most. For I mean, for a couple of reasons, like I didn't care. It was like the third time at that point that they were trying to go get a MacGuffin. I was like, oh, whatever. And mm-hmm. also, 
they it was it looked terrible like it looked like mud i couldn't really necessarily see everything that was going on so just yeah real real unexciting boring scene yeah the whole set piece in (laughs) sorry under just to the the underwater thing they set up that eels are kind of like snakes indiana jones famously afraid of snakes and then they put some a breathing mask because he's underwater on his face so you don't get to see him be afraid yeah nope like (laughs) (laughs) yeah another another whole segment that was unnecessary was basically the entire set piece in tangier it's completely unnecessary to the rest of the movie throw it away yeah um yeah i I, I get outside of the outside of the fact that it that it introduces um the kid character whose name i forget who could have been introduced earlier Uh, sure Yeah. yeah um yeah I, I guess I guess it has it ha it, it teaches you a little bit more about Helena and her sort of outlook on um you know uh artifacts and, and yeah but like, like but is that her outlook on artifacts because the movie keeps waffling back and forth about whether she's a sure selfish does. treasure hunter or if she's actually interested in pursuing her father's legacy yeah I'm and still not sure. <laughs> yeah, it goes back and forth, sometimes scene to scene. It is nonsense. Having her be solely focused on finishing her father's work is a small part of my larger fixes. And every time I wrote it, I'm like, is like I was writing it, and I'm like, is she actually supposed to be like, like, why does she want to steal the artifact and sell it in the first part of the movie? And then is so easily convinced to take on her father's work for the rest of it. Like, why does she want to sell this thing? Like, why? Yeah. 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 Steal it and sell it. I, it doesn't make any sense. So. I'm 100%. Like, it muddies her motivation. Yeah. I'm 100% <clears throat> that uh, the movie needed to pick one or the other. And I agree with you on the one it should have picked. Do you want to jump into our fixes then? I think it's a good time. Yep. All right. We will be back with some fixes for Dial of Destiny. What's up, nerds? This is Josh from Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, comics, and so much more. Every week, we break down the latest blockbuster movies, TV shows, revisit comic events. We even talk to comic creators like Kyle Higgins, Melissa Flores, and Matt Groom. And don't miss out on our Superhero Showdown episodes, where we debate your suggestions on who would win in a fight, or maybe they might become friends. So join in on the conversation with me, Josh, and my co-host Alex every Wednesday on your podcatcher of choice. Look for our yellow and red icon, and we'll see you soon, smackheads. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Let us go back in time and fix Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Oh, Uh, no, but this is the movie we got, so it can't be fixed. (laughs) Oh, no, time is a closed circle. (laughs) <laughs> It'll always be this, no matter what. Yeah, um, I I have a feeling that um, what I'm going to suggest will kind of touch on some of the things that both of you are 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 cooking up. So hopefully, this is a nice primer for the rest of our our writer room discussion. Um, I really want Voller to be an explicit reflection of indie in a way that I kind of haven't really fully worked out. <laughs> Uh, because the movie opens with Nazis stealing gold and antiquities uh, from other cultures. It's a, like it sets itself up perfectly to interrogate Indiana Jones and his history of looting. Um, that we're dealing with like Greek artifacts is also uh, perfect for this theme because I've been to the museum next to the Acropolis and there's nothing in it. Like <laughs> that shit is all in richer European countries. Um, but I'm love. I'm in love with the idea of an exchange between Voller and Indy, in which Indy tells Voller that like the Antikythera belongs in a museum, and Voller pauses, leans into him slowly, 
and asks, whose museum? <laughs> and then explains to him that the Nazis weren't doing anything that the British and the Americans hadn't been doing for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and in uh, this moment, not only would Indy be forced to confront his own actions, but we would also be questioning ourselves for having cheered it on this entire time with this franchise. That actually rings a bell with me for something. The CIA are in the first part of this movie, like protecting and abetting <laughs> Voller, which is a commentary, obviously, on like ex Nazis falling mm-hmm. in with with America. And then that plot is dropped, like after the first act. And I feel that that was a lost opportunity. They could have gone further with it. I think the CIA should have played into the. I'm. This is just something that dawned on me now. Yeah. So I don't have a yeah. fix for this, but I think the CIA should have maybe played into the into the end game as well somehow. For sure. I mean, like, I, I didn't even mention them in my plot summary because I didn't need to. Yeah, because it's, they, it's incidental. no bearing on anything. It's an interesting idea that doesn't get fully fully developed or explored. And it could have been dropped and I guess probably will be in our version. But it, <laughs> just right now, I'm like, oh, they, they should have gone further with that. There should have been something there. Yeah, there's a there's a, a Boyd Holbrook who's kind of like the, the thinner, like, uh, henchman guy. Yeah. Uh, not the not the big hulking wrestler dude or whatever whoever that is. He uh, he's like he's an excellent actor, and um, you know I would have I would have loved to seen a little bit more from him. If you if anyone uh, has seen the uh, what's it called um, the latest season of Justified, um, he's he's the main villain in that, and just just absolutely choose the scenery. Nice. Have to check that out. Sorry, I got us off topic, Greg. You were oh no worries. You uh, were, no, no, you were I, your, your I, that's that's literally all I've got. So like, oh, yeah, I just, I just, I just wanted this one moment between uh, <laughs> Voller and Indy, uh, and then I'm passing the baton. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, there's definitely opportunity for more from Voller, um, Scott. Instead of trying to pick whether or not you or I go first, I just want to posit a question. We'll see if we, it'll. I think it'll shake out okay. to everybody though. What is this movie about? What is the theme of this movie? Um, I I think the the theme that I was kind of picking up was something about Indy's legacy and his feeling that he doesn't have one okay. because he starts the movie with nothing. His son is dead. His wife has left him. He's about to. The only thing he has left is his job, and he's about to retire. Um, and I feel like. In his headspace at the beginning of the movie, he feels like all of his life of adventure, all of his work has led to nothing. Uh, He has nothing to show for it. And that that's where his journey in this movie starts. Um, And then it becomes, from my perspective, and you might have a different one, and I want to hear yours. It becomes him refusing to pass the baton onto Helena, who he sees as a younger reflection of himself. Um. She's even got her the precocious kid sidekick. She's a she's an like an adventuring archaeologist, and he's refusing to pass the torch because he doesn't want what happened to him to happen to her. And then, obviously, his journey in the movie is to realize that he does have a legacy. There, is, he does have a present. Um, he does. He has left something for the future, and he can pass that baton because it wasn't all for nothing. Dig it. That's that's what I see. 
That's what you, tell I, me what that's, you that's, see. That's, that's fair. <laughs> um, well, what I see and, and what I, I thought, like is not much to be honest. This movie doesn't have much of a theme. I think your your reading of it is is very accurate, but also very generous and very like reading <laughs> between the lines. No, for um, sure. This is something that I want to develop in my pitch. So <laughs> that's fair. And I think the the nugget that I took, and I think it's because the the theme of this is so paper thin and barely explored that either of us can kind of take it and I think extrapolate in similar but different ways. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I think it's it's what they allude to, but do not go nearly deep enough in. Um, is the idea of like you you can't go back to the past. You don't get to relive it, reclaim it, revisit it, um, rewrite it for sure. Um, all you can do is learn from it, uh, and. Also, we know the famous hit, the, those who don't learn from history are Temple of Doomed to repeat it. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I think that our two ideas kind of actually dovetail there. I do too. Because, yeah. because if if Indy's starting the movie in a place where he feels like his he's got nothing to show for his life, then he's a person with nothing but regrets. He's a person mm-hmm. who would like to go back and change so much in the past. And Voller is a man who's literally trying to do that. So there's your there's your making him a foil for Indy in the mm-hmm. same way that mm-hmm. Helen is a foil in the other direction. And and so like you you can play with both of those things at the same time because you've got two men who regret their past mm-hmm. except one's actively trying to change it and one's kind of wallowing in it. And um, and needs to realize that he has left something for the future. That the past is done, but there is there is something to be said about leaving something for the next generation. You know what I love? Okay, we came to the same conclusions. I think I think we're 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 splitting hairs on the definition of the word. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, no legacy or past. Because <laughs> I also think Helena uh, needs to learn the same thing, but it's more of a like retroactively reclaiming her father's. Sort of wasted life um, in yeah. the way these guys want to go. Yeah, so all three all three characters are perfectly poised to explore this idea of like going back to the past or what did all, what did what did the past mean? Um, however you want to split it, uh, and it is wild that they they don't explore it enough. And I like that you said this thing about the future. Um, what do you have to leave for the future? It's one of the things that really bugged me with Voler's character. You know, a Nazi who just can't take the L, who's still butthurt about it, holding on to it 25 years later. Great. That alone, great Indiana Jones villain, Mads Mikkelsen, mm-hmm. Lox the Park. But there's an extra little layer that they don't look at. He helped the moon landing happen. Yep. He was on the team. And so he has an opportunity. The movie starts with him with an opportunity to shape the future, to like – but he's he, obsessed with the past. He's obsessed with the past, and he like he got away with being a Nazi, and now he's going to live a cushy American science life. And to technically, like almost, he's got the opportunity for redemption. He can start doing good in the world by working as a scientist and an archaeologist and all those like moon landing shit he did. And he denies a redemption arc because he's that chapped about Nazi stuff. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, and no, then that yeah, that's great. Um. And and again, it it makes him a foil to Indy in in how we're starting our version of the movie, and yeah. and to Helena. There there are three reflections in oh. an interesting way, and I, I think maybe even the writers knew that and then just failed to like deliver on it because it's all there. It's just 
it's not well executed yeah. on. Yeah. Can I, can I, just before you guys jump into like your actual fixes, can I can I also posit like another main theme, which is uh, like it's it's ostensibly a movie about dealing with loss. Like the like indie, uh, he's losing his job because he's retiring. So the thing that made him whole, um, for the most part, he's lost his relationship to his wife. He's lost his son. Voller has you know lost his position as you know a, a high ranking Nazi. He's they he lost the war, um, you know, and uh, uh, I'm not sure that like Helena necessarily has a loss. I mean, outside of like she lost her, her dad, loss of her, loss of she her lost her dad to, to loss of her childhood. Science right? man, yeah, man, yeah, she, and right. she's traumatized by it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So lots of that going around. Um, but it's also interesting because the movie ends on a hopeful note for Indy, and mm-hmm. I, I like that. And I think I think it could go further, and I'm I'm I have something for that. But um, like I like Sulla appearing because Sulla's yep. proof that he does still have some found family, he does still have friends, and I like him refusing to take Sulla with him because it's Indy tacitly saying I can't lose anybody else. Yeah. And again, nice. I, I feel like it could go further. And and I think that that's in there for that. And I like him reappearing at the end with Helena and with Marion to mm-hmm. show to, to really reinforce that Indy hasn't lost everything. And he does still have something to live for now. And there is a hopeful future because that's the journey he needs to go on. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, Scott, I want to hear how you would f- fix some of these if you, if you have it. I wrote mine out, but I, other than one, I think you'll maybe have something better. The thing I want to focus on for my chunk of this episode, I believe there is actually a fourth party, uh, that needs to learn this lesson. Uh, and once we've explored how we get Indy, Helena, and Voller to like, Go explore this idea. I'll hit you with my fourth one. Um, but I bet your ways to get them there is better than mine. So hit me. It's possible that your fourth one is also my fourth one. I don't know because I, there's another character I want to drop. I want to parachute into this movie. Hit me. (laughs) Short round should be in this movie. Sure. Not my fourth, but I agree. But I agree. I think, I think short round should be in this movie because short round is Indiana Jones's other son. Yeah. And he's not dead to the best of my knowledge. I think that there should be a part of this movie during the MacGuffin stuff earlier on where after we've, been hit with Sulla as a cameo, we get a cameo with Short Round. And he's grown up, he's played by the same actor who's having a career renaissance right now, um, and he's working at a museum. And Indy goes to him for help, and there's maybe some iciness because they're estranged, but Short Round's happy to help because it's Indy. And uh, again, you get another scene where after some Nazi stuff happens, uh, Short Round's like, I'll come with you. Like, if you want my help, I will come. And Indy once again is like, no, you can't come with me. Like, this is something I have to do. And again, I can't, I don't want to lose another son. Um, and I, I feel like that's part of the, that's the missing, a missing piece for me is tying. If you want to tie up Indy's past, if you want to explore it, that's a part of it that you need to explore as well. And Especially because you've got Teddy there as Helena's kid sidekick. Like mm-hmm. you can even have some fun business between Teddy and Short Round during a little action beat where at at Short Round's museum, right? We'd learn Short Round's real name, by the way. In this yeah, movie, yeah, stop calling him Short Round for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, actually, I have I have my solution. My my Short Round solution. How do you not call him that? I have my I have a solution. But fair <laughs> enough. Um, and then you have him show up at the end too. Yeah. Like when Saul is there with his kids, and Marion shows up. Short Round's there too. Everybody's rallied because Indy was hurt. 
he's getting better and this is his family and his family's come to to be with him. I feel like that was the missing piece. You had short round right there. The guy is the guy was just in everything, everywhere, all at once. You could have done it. You I uh, missed the opportunity. I uh, as, as I understand it, um, because I think James Mangold was asked about that. Um, uh, Indiana Jones Five and Everything Everywhere All at Once were filming at the same time, yeah. so it may not have been known that he uh, was acting again. You could have asked him. <laughs> could have. You could have. Uh, nobody yes. would have blinked. Nobody definitely, would have blinked definitely. about them recasting the character too. Like if that was the case, you could have cast someone else and had them come in as short round. Right. And yeah. people might have been in hindsight a little like chapped about that, but like if you didn't know, you could have still recast mm-hmm. the character and brought yeah, it together because it, it's short because short round is Indiana Jones's son in Temple of Doom. Like yeah. he's he's yeah an adopted kid sidekick, but he's, he's his protege and it's never brought up again. He's never brought up again. And I feel like if you're doing a swan song for Indy and you're, you're bringing back some of the, some of the characters who've been there who are still around, you bring around short round guys. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been, it had Indy been shot a little bit later. um, It would have been a a real nice meta moment because I don't know if you remember, but there was that really nice, uh, cute photo of Indian or uh, Harrison Ford and Kihi Kwan together, yep. just all smiles and stuff. And yeah, yeah, would it be great? Yeah, you could have done a reshoot with him just at the end. Even. <laughs> I think I think you work him into the plot, but you could have done a reshoot, guys. That's Come right. on, yeah. Um, any other uh, sort of tangible like fixes to get these themes out yeah. of these characters? Well, you already hit upon the fact that Helena needs a more uh defined motivation and i 100 percent agree it needs to be redeeming her father yeah she's she's obsessed with fixing his legacy and um indy's reticent to help because he sees her as a younger version of him and he has nothing but regrets about his old adventures because he feels like it's been a wasted life essentially and so that's why he keeps trying to refuse to pass her the torch she ends up going off on the adventure herself and gets caught by Nazis. So he feels the need to go and pursue her and to try to save the day because he's the only one who can. Um, you, you jettison the entire Tangiers thing because okay, it's no, you don't. unnecessary. Okay. No, you, here's, okay. I gotta, if you want to keep it, I here's how you it. fix it. Here's how you, I was hoping you say that. Here's Hit how you me. fix it. She shows up and is like genuinely asking Andy, I need you to help me find this dial. I know you know where it is or know something about it. My my dad was obsessed. I got to finish his work. I got to justify his work. Ooh, I need it. Um, And he's like reluctantly like, okay, and takes her to the archive. She doesn't know she's being pursued by Nazis slash the CIA. But then the whole reason they go to Tangier is because she absconds with it to sell it illegally for reasons that don't make any sense. All you have to do, if you want that Tangier scene to happen, in a last-ditch effort while they're running around the archives, she shoves it in a box, like, to hide it from them. And it gets shipped to Tangier. And it gets shipped to Tangier to be, like, a legitimate auction item. You can still run afoul of criminals in Tangier at a legitimate auction. It doesn't have to be a criminal auction. And then all the Tangier stuff can play out just the same. It's just she's not a criminal when she's there. She maybe knows criminals, still has... Slept with criminals. Oh, because she's she's an adventuring archaeologist. Because she's a rakish adventure, but she just yeah. like she doesn't have to abscond with it. She just like in an attempt to like hide it from the Nazis in the archive, she just like tucks it in a box unknowingly bound for Tangier. 
I, I, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. I think that you jettison Tangier anyway, because it makes the movie too long, but, uh, but if you must keep it, that is a great way to keep it. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, yeah, uh, you, you focus the movie more on them going to places to solve this historical mystery about the dial. Um, being pursued by Nazis each step of the way so that you get your action beats, but it's not mostly action for the first Mm -hmm. part of the movie. It's mostly adventure for the first part of the movie Um, with Helen. And because Helen is more on board with the adventure part, right from jump, you, you have the opportunity to do that because she's a, a, a willing accomplice in this case. They're not having weird bickering through the first part of the movie because she's got totally selfish goals. Um, and then you, you build to basically the back half of the movie being more or less the same. Um, you still have them going to the cave. You still have Voller beat them to the punch to put together the, the dial. You still have the fun time travel shenanigans. You maybe get rid of the continental drift thing. I like the idea that Archimedes was making a time machine specifically to get help for the battle. Um, and I like the little clues that they sprinkle in to, set the stage for that. Um, And I think that the end more or less plays out the same. I do think that you changed the end. You completely sold me about her punching him. I think she, she, and maybe even uh, Archimedes Mm -hmm. make a reasonable argument to him to convince him that he needs to go back to the present. He needs to go back to the future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In order, because that's where his life is. Um, he can't live in the past, and then you you, you kind can't of live punctuate. in the past. Yeah, you and can't you can't go back to the past. You can't rewrite the past. You can't reclaim the past. I love that. No, and, and, and I think part of part of that is him realizing that time is a closed loop. That all yeah. of the stuff yeah. that yeah. that has just happened always happened, and that's where the penny drops for him. Like, oh, all the mysterious gears that were found in the his, in the historical record is from the destroyed plane. The motifs on his tomb were scenes of the plane. The watch was Voller's watch. This is a closed loop. Voller was always going to fail because he always failed, and that means that I can't stay in the past because there's no record of me in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that's 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 sick, and, and, and what's already for the most part in, in the movie just like explained a little better the, the plot the plot of the movie is not not the problem it's that it's that theme and <clears throat> yeah I yeah think, you, I, I, you know you know what i kind of like that about, about that scott is that it kind of it, it subtly also says that because it, because voller was always going to fail like also fascism was always going to fail yeah. I mean, you know <laughs> the nazis never win for all of time in history nazis yeah. don't win yeah. yeah um and and also that you can't change the past yeah yeah Which because is, yeah, the because the the what happened was always going to happen, so you cannot, in fact, go back. Even with a time machine, you cannot go back and change the past, and you just kind of have to reconcile with that fact and look forward. And that's that's the journey Indiana Jones takes in this movie. That's where he ends. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, my my fix is very kind of similar to yours. Getting getting those chain how those characters go through those arcs and explore those ideas out of them. I also um, want to know who you're parachuting in. <laughs> yes, my fourth. So yeah, Indy just just make it more overt that he's jonesing for, you know, the life he's lost and and um he's Indy jonesing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um I was going to let that go, but you, it's, it's, it's still funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh 
you know, trying to relive that. I think it is just a matter of like a, t- a tell don't show situation. Someone should point out to Voler that like, hey, dude, you you got it pretty good. Like his his lanky sidekick guy should be like, dude, why do you want? Why are you still on this Nazi stuff? Like you you got the win. Like you're gonna you're, you're in about a great to get position. Fetted by the president. Like. Yeah. And then he's like, no, Nazi stuff, just just to really drive it home, because this is still a Disney movie. I'm okay with being spoon-fed the themes and ideas mm-hmm. if the alternative is not having them at all. So, yeah. And then, yeah, for Helena, I just said, like, you shore it up, you make her always focused on her father. Oh, there could right? be there could be a great line where Voller's asked about the space stuff, and he brushes it off as, I, I've, I've conquered the moon. But what I wanted to do was conquer the earth. (laughs) Sweet. Um, So yeah. So my fourth person who I think, my sorry, my fourth, my fourth party who I believe needs to learn that you can't go back in time. You can't relive those adventures. They're best left in the past is us, the audience. Uh, we're being <laughs> that was a bait and switch the whole time. <laughs> it really, but really, like if we think about the conversation we had with The Flash and like so many of the movies we do on this podcast, there's so, like like um, uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story, like there's so much of that like, oh, they're going to show the Ecto-1 in the Ghostbusters movie. Oh, they're going to, that's where they did the thing in the first one. <laughs> that like that member, you know, the old South Park bit about the member berries. The member berries, yep. That, this movie they would never do this no one's going to take my notes here seriously but i would have loved to see this movie about not being able to relive the glorified past also scold us for thinking let alone hoping that this indiana jones film was going to play the hits deliver the memes all those other forms of like cheap familiar nostalgia bait you know, any other movie, like I said, the Ghostbusters, Star Wars, that are going to serve up classic lines. The, the Flash, where he's like, oh, do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like, fuck that. I, I hate that regurgitated nonsense. And I would have loved to see this movie subvert and invert it. And to this movie's credit, it does it twice. It was my two two of my favorite parts of this movie already does it twice. And I want to see them go whole hog on this. So there's the part in the trailer where he like whips the guys at the auction and then they all pull out guns. And that's like an inversion of the guy flailing his sword and then Andy just shoots him. Right. Yeah. But I also loved very early in the movie that the Nazis, the artifact they're looking for is a dagger that like drew the blood of Christ. Like another holy Christ artifact. Like Christian artifact. The spear of Longinus, the spear of destiny. Yeah. And then they're like. That thing's fake. It's it's a dud. We're not doing that. It's actually about this dial thing. I really liked because I'm like, oh, classic Indiana Jones. They're looking for Christ. The Nazis are looking for Christ artifacts. And then they don't. They're like, this is nothing. We're not doing that. I loved that bait and switch. The movie should be packed full of those in a way that like teaches us the audience to like almost feel bad for wanting those like member berry moments. Greg's suggestion for Voller to scold Indiana about wanting something in a museum would have been the same thing. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. and, and he's like, it belongs right? in a museum. And the Nazis like whose museum? And like, this is what I was hoping that, for. There's I the bait and switch. Yeah. You guys might have some for me, but I came up with like a, a bit of a list of all the different ways you could like fuck with Indiana Jones tropes in a way that is like interesting. So subvert or invert. So the wood wax thing where like he melts the wax and wood around the map. And then he's now he's got this map because he melted all the wood and the wax off it. Yeah. I think someone should think the wood and the wax is some kind of map 
go to put their hands on it, but it is scalding hot, and instead of the map or the thing burning into their hand, they just get fourth degree burns from hot wax. <laughs> and then Indy picks the thing up that melted out from under the wax, and he's like, hey, I got the map. Um, just sort of, pl- you know, you, you think he's gonna get it on his hand, and he's actually just don't put your hands on fire. <laughs> um, the boulder, we know the classic boulder. I think in the Echo Cave, the Cave of Dionysus, someone should have an opportunity to push a big boulder onto some the, of the Nazis. The, the giant German him. guy. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. Oh no, one of the good guys. One of the good guys. Or oh, okay, you know, yeah. even even maybe one of the German guys. Doesn't really matter. Um, an opportunity to push a big bowl a boulder, set it up like it's all oh, this is gonna roll, everyone's gonna have to run away from it. It doesn't roll, it just lands with a thud and like starts to cause a cave in. <laughs> but it like it doesn't roll, it just sort of like hits the ground and sucks. It's a giant boulder. That's not how anyway. Um but yeah, they tee it up, and it's a lot about like teeing it up and then yanking it away. Um, and it is for a payoff. It's not just because I want to be pedantic and mean. This is building to something. I think uh, and it'd be fun if the song Anything Goes was being performed at the parade when they're doing the horse chase, and they're either getting, I don't know if they're getting further away from it or they're getting closer to it, but either way, they're like moving away from the performance mm-hmm. to sort of represent this like, you either should distance yourself from the past or you shouldn't go to the past, but either way they could just reuse anything goes to represent that, like crossing the threshold, mm-hmm. uh, do a rope bridge where like the people who live are the people who jumped and the people who held on are the ones who get screwed over. <laughs> um, there's a whole se- multiple scenes where those, the, the plane is landing at the siege of Syracuse. If at some point we could be fighting next to propeller blades, that'd be dope. Um, <laughs> but then this one, Scott, you're going to hate it, but I think we see Marion early, early on in the movie. Mm-hmm. She like hands him divorce papers. Okay. We see Sala early on, like we do in the movie. And then it is heavily implied that we are about to meet grown up short round. We learn his name. We learn he's an expert diver with a boat and he can go help us find the thing in the boat. And then when we get there, he's dead. And it's I Antonio don't- Banderas kind of being like, yeah, I know. I know you guys wanted to see short round, but it's me. It's Antonio Banderas. He's dead. You know what? That is unbelievably cruel. If we kill both short round and Mutt, though, that's, that's my. That's only, what I. That's why that's I want it. I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, but you know what? I I like I like uh, Indiana Jones getting to have a family at the end because he's that's fair. He, there's that glimmer of hope. That's fair. I don't think um, we need to be that cruel to Indy. We already fair. got rid of Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> and then the very last one. Where it isn't, so this whole movie, we have been bait and switching the fan service on the audience, but the very last one, when they are trying to convince him to come back, like we said, that penny drops, he realizes he has to come back. Archimedes and Helena are begging him, Indy, you have to let it go. Let it go. You can't live in the past. Let it go. And they yank him back into the future, like at the end of Crusade, the one time you don't subvert it is when that's truly the lesson that needs to be learned. Because that's the lesson yeah. at the end of Crusade, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my pitch. We all should be ashamed for wanting to see <laughs> all our, the, the, the fire hall from the Ghostbusters and going, ooh, the fire hall's in the trailer, ah! We, we all, yeah, need yeah. to stop that. <laughs> I, think what's inter- I think what's interesting about those suggestions is like, in, in some ways, you're actually doing you're actually doing a lot of fan service by by like by like mem- getting like triggering the member berries in the first place. Oh, for sure, yeah. But it's it it's 
it's not paying it. It's it's to hammer home the theme of like you can't go back. It'll never mm-hmm. be this again. Yeah. Stop expecting this. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's another reason why I don't want to kill off short round, and sure. that's because I want to do I, I want to do a short round spinoff where he's repatriating artifacts back to their home countries. Yeah. Him him and <laughs> this Phoebe doesn't this doesn't belong in a museum. <laughs> and then and then you explore the legacy of that of that kind of vein of archaeology. Uh, mm-hmm. with the complicated kind of colonialist uh, business going on with that. And you have a character whose like, goal is now to help repatriate these artifacts mm, back y- to the y- people they belong to. You know what? There was actually an opportunity for, for Indy to do that. Uh, yep. Because he could have left the dial with Archimedes. Uh, because he, because he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he has it in his house, right? When in, At the end of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. So you could have had you could have literally had him make the make the choice to repatriate the the dial right to the originator of it. Uh you can't though because Archimedes actually has to build it. <laughs> Otherwise the machine doesn't uh falls out of time because it has no uh builder. I mean maybe maybe he wasn't smart enough to build it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's you get like a time paradox thing chicken and the egg did he build yeah, it or it's, didn't it's he? a little bit of the like <laughs> hey <laughs> it's your brother marv i got the sound you gotta hear um <laughs> yeah uh i i, I can see where you're going but I, I do think it does make sense also they physically needed to get home like they have also to true for time travel I, although i thought no, 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 no because the fissure is still open like that's what that was the whole thing oh. is that they had well, to leave you, at a certain time because the fissure was still open simple solution they need the machine to reopen the fissure so that they can go home and then indiana jones gives it to the greeks mm-hmm. so they can put it in their museum <laughs> yeah <laughs> dig it uh that that certainly would uh fix this film uh i think there's yeah. just they left a lot of meat on the bone and it's this really is, just a matter of going to eating it all this is one of those movies that come along where it needed it needed the screws tightened up. That what's there is okay. It just wasn't great. And Greg really hammered on this right off the top. It just needed like a few more passes to tighten up the script. And you could have had a really great swan song for Indiana Jones. And it is a shame that it's not. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one to have done right after The Flash, because they're both time travel movies. And this is one where I feel like the plot is fine and it has no heart. Whereas we discovered with the flash, <laughs> the heart's there. It has no sensical plot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, they're a funny, it's a funny thing to compare the two of them. I, I um, wouldn't necessarily cre- characterize this as having no heart, but like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bring everything home the way that you would like it mm-hmm. to. Like the, the emotional impact is, it uh, is a little blunt, unfortunately. Especially for especially for a movie that's meant to be a swan song, that's that's the tragedy of it. Yeah. Speaking of blunt, our listeners had some comments for this movie. Who I tell you, some of them uh, uh, quite quite pointed. Um, <laughs> yeah. But some of them also quite insightful. Uh, so let's jump into our listener comments. Thank you to everyone who contributed. We do appreciate involving you in our conversation. The '80s movie podcast says not making it at all and go back in time to stop Crystal Skull from happening as well? Anita said uh, after the movie was done, this movie was not Crystal Skull bad, but it's not Temple of Doom good. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the record, 
uh, Temple of Doom is her third favorite uh, Indiana Jones movie. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, I kind of waffled back and forth about whether I liked Crystal Skull or Dial of Destiny more because while the last act of Crystal Skull is is a giant mess, the Spielbergian flourishes that were there throughout um, still had me kind of enjoying the movie, maybe a little bit more than Dial of Destiny, which for which I was mostly kind of bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was too much cartoony action in Crystal Skull that brought me out of it that sure. just isn't there in this movie, coupled with the fact that I, I buy uh, religious artifacts in an Indiana Jones movie. I buy... Uh, a historical time machine built by Archimedes in an Indiana Jones movie. I do not buy aliens in an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> that that is the the uh, that is the one thing that is not like the other, and yeah. that's why this movie hangs much better for me. And I definitely enjoyed it more than Crystal Skull. I, I, can I give George Lucas credit for something because he <laughs> so he so rarely gets credit for anything, but he had an idea to have indiana jones in a haunted mansion and a lot of people uh, sort of react to that as if that's a- an inherently silly idea but i think that would be really actually quintessentially indiana jones because there's in a m- large haunted mansion you have all these opportunities for all kinds of like puzzles and artifacts to explore and things like that i think that it would have been really fun to like place indiana jones in a much different setting in a more of a bottle movie than than anything else, I, I just would have loved to have seen that. Where he's, you know, he, he, it's it, it's quite a bit different. You know why that tracks for me? Because I watched the new Haunted Mansion movie. Oh yeah. Um, over <laughs> over the Halloween uh, times, and yeah, like they spend a lot of time in that movie exploring the history of the house, the history of like the big evil ghost who's in charge, and I buy that in a Indiana Jones movie because again. It's an adventure movie where you're exploring a historical mystery yep. and there's a little bit of weird occult magic going on and that that tracks in a haunted house movie akin to the recent Haunted Mansion movie. Yeah. So yeah, I buy that. It also doesn't have to be a house. It can be a haunted location. Castle. Like yeah. Castle. Uh, yeah. The Vatican, like he's running around the like yeah, haunted, haunted <laughs> yeah, Vatican. Sure. Yeah. Things are just being chased by haunted pontiffs. <laughs> <laughs> haunted pontiff is my favorite metal band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Danny G comments: It's clear to me that Wombat was essentially indie circa Temple of Doom, out for profit and glory, dragging along a kid sidekick. But did the movie know that? I felt it, it could have not. pushed her harder to give the movie a stronger thematic arc. Yeah, don't think it did. I, I don't think we ever mentioned throughout the, this discussion that Wombat is Helena, just in case you're listening oh, yeah. to the podcast and you haven't listened to the, <laughs> listened to, uh, or you haven't watched the movie. Yeah. And you're yeah, that nickname gets dropped immediately and never explained. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Danny G continues. Also, I get the killing Shia LaBeouf off between movies is a thing now, but maybe it didn't need indie to be old and sad about it and to die alone at the top of the movie. Just, just be old. No, I'm okay with it. I I like that it gives us a starting point for him mm-hmm. and a lot of regret about his history, so that he can overcome that. Because that's his that's his hero's journey in this movie yeah. is to realize that even though he has things in his past that he regrets, that he can't change it, and he needs to learn to move on and look to the future. 
and to see what he has right now and to look to the future. Yeah. Uh, Death Sunglasses commented, I knew it would never happen, but it, I thought it would be great if at the very end, Indy goes back to the cave and Raiders, crawls between the wall and the boulder, makes it over the pitfall and gets to the pedestal, bag of stands still there covered in dust, stops, pulls the idol out of the satchel like, maybe it belongs here. Credits uh, as he turns and walks out. Or at least it belongs in like in uh, a museum dedicated like in, in Chile. In, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amanda says, uh, I honestly forgot that we watched it this week. Unmemorable. Oof. And if I have to show up to watch it, it would be nice if Harrison Ford showed up with even a smidge of enthusiasm. Yikes. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if it would work for this franchise, but maybe ne- let's not revisit World War II Nazis for once and focus on today's and neo-Nazis. Would have to recast because original Indy would be long dead, but I feel that would have at least been a hot take for a franchise and a lot more memorable. I mean, neo-Nazis are kind of like revanchists who are looking back at World War II Nazis. So it does still kind of point back to World War II Nazis, doesn't it? Yeah, it could be weird if they want to go get some kind of like old Nazi artifact. Because like one of the things that modern like fascists or neo-Nazis are are into is the idea of accelerationism. Mm -hmm. And so it's like almost sort of the same thing Voller's doing. It's like, I want to be the one to write history but Voller wants to rewrite history, whereas these guys are like, no, let's get to the history-making part now so we can build it in our image. And they're trying to wrangle up some some old-timey artifact weapons to to get that done. But, yeah. But then you it's know, not an Indiana Jones movie. It's just a really cool movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though I would love to see Phoebe Waller's bridge uh, star in a, in a, like a Tomb Raider-y type movie. That in an adventure have, movie. In an yeah, adventure movie sure. where she has to fight like modern neo-Nazis. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun. Robin from Cinematological says, this movie has some really great moments uh, of Indy at the end of his life trying to figure out what it was all for. I love that Indy felt his only recourse would be to stay in the past because he lost everything in the present. But the entire prelude de-aging bit is a mess and unnecessary. I would eliminate that and start with the flashback of middle-aged Indy and his insane friend as a setup for Phoebe Waller's Bridges, Bridges character. Open the movie with her doing a grift that looks like an artifact hunt and ending up with Indy. Eh, I think we decided to drop the grifting, but I do I do think that's not a bad place to start the movie, except that we don't set up Voler very well that way. We don't set up Voler, and, and also it's to put that one at the beginning. Yes, it's a good narrative place to start with like a flashback, but it's not an exciting one. That's true. And every Indiana Jones movie kind of has that big, exciting cold open, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah this one the was Indy just I, the problem with this one is it's too long. It like, it's definitely like, like was. Yes. <laughs> Like doesn't like the point of it is, is like they get they they were in Germany. That's where they found the Antic of the Hero device and 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 they meet Voller. Yeah, and yeah. they meet Voller. Yeah, so yeah. it didn't. Yeah, it didn't need to last nearly as long as it did. Michael Coker says uh, a Mads Mikkelsen Nazi twenty five years after the end of World War II seems lazy. Why not have the CIA who was committing war atrocities in Vietnam at the time try to turn an artifact into a weapon? Yeah, interesting. I mean, you could they could find a Cambodian artifact and try to do something with it. Yeah, for sure. That would and, have kept the CIA in it <laughs> yeah, as villains. Yeah. And, and yeah. exile the Nazis, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love Tax comment here. It's a lot of fun. Uh, hitting us with the quick fixes. Thank you, Tax. Tax fixes. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, one, drop the indie wanted for murder plot. The movie sure did. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> right? don't need that. I love that. <laughs> 
give Jurgen an apparent injury from the flashback. Yeah, because he gets like he gets like completely he gets smacked by like a, a bell on the and that's like he should have died from that thing. But he was my he was, only <laughs> yeah, my only issue with that is that that gives that that makes me think of his uh, character from Casino Royale. Oh yeah, because he had a weird facial disfigurement, and I'm just worried that then he's basically he just looks like that character again. That's fair. I mean, he oh, doesn't necessarily have right. Yeah, he doesn't necessarily need to have like a fucked up face. Maybe he can just have like a, a like a limp or something. Or something yeah, like I, that. he walks with a cane or something. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Creepy Nazi with a cane. That's uh, some classic stuff right there. Uh, give Jurgen Voller, Mads Mikkelsen's character, uh, a shorter apparent leash while under government custody. That way, it feels like the stakes are raised when he turns the tables. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. And I mean, if you want to keep the CIA and the plot longer, you can have them, especially if Indy's not wanted for murder, they can be like subtly working with him along the way to try to get Voller back. Um, you could, they could even be trying to get Voller back for purely selfish reasons that ends up biting them in the third act. And that's how they end up finally getting out of the plot because they're actually also bad guys. They're just bad guys working for different ends. Right. Yeah. Point number four, Tack makes, make everyone's goal a little more clear in the moment so the clashing of interests is more exciting than confusing. Yeah, especially uh, Helena's character. Yeah, yeah. And then five, make the action seem a little more difficult for Indy so it's more cathartic when he wins. Lean into the fact that he's too old for this. Oh, for sure, 100%. Yeah. He should be complaining, like, when he's climbing the, the rock face in the third act and he's like, my shoulders are... My shoulders are bad. My knees are bad. I'm way too old for this. Why am I climbing this mountain? He should be doing that through the whole movie. Yeah. Like he jumps, he jumps into another vehicle <laughs> and then spends like a full minute just like, oh, why did I do that? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris commented, uh, I don't like the Rome sequence, but sending Indy back to ancient Rome sure sounds amazing. The movie doesn't pull off the potential though, and they cram it all into the third act. To go that big, it needed to happen before the midpoint and then have time for a proper conclusion. Nah, I kind of agree with Greg on this point where he wants to keep it a little shorter. I like that it's short and sweet. It kind of wraps up the whole chase for the artifact and explains what it was about. I, I don't think it needed to be longer than that. Yeah. And then and then we get now we just have Indiana Jones in ancient Roman times for half a movie. And I don't. Yeah. I'm not particularly interested by that. Yeah. Because I, I, then he's not then he's not solving historical mystery. He's just in history. And I don't think yeah. that that works. Like just imagine like they like the 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 fissure opens up, the plane pops out, and then with without them even realizing where they are yet, they're hit by like a big spear. And then they and then the plane goes down and it's only it's only after they get out of the plane that they realize that they're that they're uh, on the shores of a big battle. I think that I think that would be kind of like a, a quicker way of just like because they they spend a lot of time in the air and there's a whole lot of like back and forth going on there. So you you just bring the plane down immediately and you you have a little sequence where where you bring everything to a conclusion. Then we suddenly meet Archimedes, um, you know, and, and go on from there. I I'm okay with keeping them in the air for a little longer because then you get the whole myth of the dragon that came to help in the siege fighting the Romans because the Nazis are shooting at the Romans because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, 
I, I kind of I mean, I'm I mean okay they, with that. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I do agree it could be ha- shorter. You'd have to like you'd have to eliminate in order to in order to make things a little bit shorter. But I, I get I get yeah, I mean that it it is a cool thing and I you know, it is I don't necessarily yeah. uh think that you're wrong for wanting to keep it. I I do agree it could be shorter though, yeah. for sure. Derek Mirren uh, came to some of the similar conclusions we did. Uh, the thematic through line that's set up is great. They just don't pay it off. He's a hero of a bygone era, both textually and metatextually, and doesn't know how he fits into the world. His enemy wants to return to his plas- past glory days and make them permanent. The juice is there. Yeah. Um, but there's no satisfying payoff to that. Ideally, he learns what value he still brings and is juxtaposed by an antagonist foolishly trying to live in the past. Derek, we're you're right on board with us, like a hundred percent. And then uh, right down to the, the 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 punch at the end, uh, the father figure angle sort of makes sense, but this movie emphasizes her choice, Helena's choice, uh, at the end of the movie, not his. So, yeah. For the record, Derek, we did not read your comments before now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we did I did, not rip you off. Well, obvious problems. Liam, obvious. Liam and Liam and I did not rip you off. Uh, we're all we're all drinking from the same Kool Aid here. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we got a nice a long thread from friend of the show Olaf Rockney that I I think hits a lot of really interesting points that we didn't cover uh, between the three of us. And so I want to just take a, a moment to highlight Olaf's contribution here because uh, it's uh, got got a lot in it that I think is insightful and exciting. Uh, so Olaf says, um, and you can follow him at Hugo Book Club Blog on uh, X. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a movie based on nostalgia for an earlier era of colonialism. By the 1960s, India was independent and European rule was failing in Africa and South America. Indiana Jones stories mostly don't work past the 1950s. Yeah, because they're they're based on those old like adventure yeah. books, right? Yeah. Yep. Raiders of the Lost Ark take. Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place during a time when Britain occupied Egypt so the plunder could take place. Temple of Doom takes place during a time when Britain was exploiting India uh, so the plunder can take place. Last Crusade takes place in Egypt and Jordan. Plunder. If your big MacGuffin is in Greece, well, most of the plunder happened prior to Indiana Jones's life. Like the Elgin marbles were taken in the 1930s or the 1830s. Fair, fair point. Um, though, were they yep. at the bottom of the ocean? Yeah. Uh, it, it was on a Roman boat. I didn't plunder the boat, but I see what you're saying. Uh, this movie takes place while reparation calls are already happening for most of these artifacts. Basically, this movie is about being nostalgic for a type of nostalgia that was more acceptable in the 1980s. Remember when we could be nostalgic for colonialism and not feel bad about it? Yeah. Good times. The whole thing kind of, uh, this is me, my conjecture now, but like, the whole premise is sort of based on like a kind of gross, icky thing that we don't do anymore of the like appropriating artifacts. So yeah, the idea of like a, a thieving anthropologist is just like maybe doesn't work in the 21st century. So yeah, yeah, I guess that's why uh, I mean, national, national treasure was about stealing America's own stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, Helena even calls India a grave robber at one point in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the, the the movies the movies almost cognizant of this fact, but doesn't quite go there. That's why Olaf pitches that instead you need to find a reason for him to rep- uh, repatriate an artifact. There's an item in the British Museum, and it must be returned to the indigenous peoples from whom it was plundered. But only Indiana Jones has experienced enough weird shit to believe how important it is. 
Uh, he has to recruit some of his old allies, come out of retirement, and pull a reverse Indiana Jones caper. Maybe a little bit of a heist movie vibe. Yeah, I think that's an excellent starting point for a swan song to, uh, to Indiana Jones. Or for my short round series. <laughs> <laughs> I could I could see Kihi Kwan and Phoebe Waller Bridge as like a great like Indiana Jones duo. Like a hundred percent. Helena and short round an Indiana Jones adventure. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a thousand percent on board for that. Especially if it's a, a, as Olav says, like a movie about them dealing with the legacy of the type of archeology span that Indiana Jones was doing and repatriating something, taking it from a museum to give it back to the people it belongs to putting it Um, back where it belongs. Thank you to everyone who commented. We appreciate all of the uh, those those things. But it's also made we're we're potentially making this podcast as long as the movie, and that'd be no good. Uh, so I think it's time to bring it home. Uh, it's like so we really- missed talking about blo- summer blockbusters, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Always lots to to pick apart with those. For yeah. Sure. Uh, so of course you can follow us, uh, on facebook.com slash I have some notes at I have some notes on X, uh, at I have some notes pod on Instagram, or really just find our link tree and come find us wherever it is you like to do social media stuff. Me personally, I like discord. I love our, uh, I have some notes discord server. We're always having lots of great discussions. It's free to join. Please come be a part of our, uh, discord conversation. Uh, And wherever it is you're listening to this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast player app of choice. Yeah, that helps us out. And you want to know what else helps us out? It's going over to patreon.com slash I have some notes right now and maybe throwing us a couple bucks to help bring down the costs of making this podcast for you, which we love to do. And uh, we would really appreciate you joining up as a patron. A nice little cache of bonus content on there too. Some reviews and recommendations. Yeah. Uh, so we hope you guys have a uh, happy holidays. We'll be back uh, after Christmas on December 29th when we'll be talking about what we feel is uh, a surefire, divisive movie: Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Until then, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. Yeah.